Welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. name of the series that we're in. Uh, We started it a couple of weeks back. Uh, Started out with the command of Christ where he tells us to repent, but also to believe. He calls us to repentance. In other words, to admit to him that what he says about us is true, that we are sinners. Uh, It's not just feeling sorry for our sins, but it's uh, admitting that, uh, that we cannot do anything to save ourselves and that we're in full need of him and we need to turn from our sin, turn toward him. And uh, that's why he said repent and believe, because he also calls us to faith. Uh, So a question for you this morning might be to begin with, have you done that? Have you repented and have you believed uh, in what Christ did for you on the cross? Uh, And on the other side of that, he gives us another command. He calls us to be baptized. Uh, Baptism does not save anyone. We're going to have baptism at the end of this service and uh, at the end of the second service today also. uh, And I think next week uh, also, but it doesn't save anybody. What it is, uh, is an outward display of what's happened inwardly in a person's heart. That they believed in Jesus who died and was raised again. And also that they are a new person. That the old person that they used to be is buried and gone. And now they're a new person with Christ uh, in their heart. So that's what we talked about last week was being baptized. Uh, Today, the command of Christ that we're going to look at is this, to pray, to pray. He calls upon us to pray. Now, in just a moment, uh, we're going to be kind of walking through Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 15. So if you want to find your way there, that's where we'll be at uh, in in a few moments when we jump into the message. But he calls us to, to pray. I want you to stop and think about that a minute before we even try and process it and walk through those verses. The God of all the universe, the creator of everything, the one that's holy, 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 encourages us to talk to him. Now think about that. That's an awesome thing, isn't it? That the God that created everything, the one that's completely perfect, holy, 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 welcomes us, encourages us to talk to him. Now that being the case, why do we take it for granted so badly? Because I'm afraid that's one of the things that we really take for granted as Christians. Maybe we'll come up with all kinds of excuses saying, well, I, I don't really know how to pray well. Uh, and you'll find out today that's probably not the case because you can talk to God if you're a Christian just like you're talking to a human father. Uh, because he, he beckons us to talk to him and come before him. I, I think sometimes people don't pray because they say they're too busy. In my life, if we'll admit the truth, we can find time to do what we really want to do, right? Amen? You can find time to plan to go on vacation, or you know, I can find time to ride a motorcycle, or whatever the case is. We can find, to do, find time to do anything we really want to do. So saying we're too busy to pray is not really a, a, a good excuse either. I, I think some people will think, Man, I have heard people stand up and pray at church, and they pray these eloquent type of prayers, and they just waxed and used all you know, on and on, and they use these fancy words as they were praying, and they'll start thinking, I, I, I can't pray like that. You know, I think you'll find that today that's okay. In, in fact, I think you'll find that today sometimes people that do that might be a little bit wrong in their own heart. 
Because what we're going to look at today is the model prayer of Jesus in those verses that I told you about a moment ago. In this text, Jesus is going to say when you pray, not if you pray. So he expects us to pray. Three times in these few verses, Jesus will say when you pray. One time in these verses, Jesus will say pray like this. We, we call this the Lord's Prayer. The word prayer means to pray to God, to supplicate, to worship. In other words, you're, you're worshiping him in prayer. It's not just asking him for the stuff you want. I think sometimes that's all we think prayer is, to come up with a list that we're throwing out to God of what we want. It comes from a word in the Greek that's a strengthened form of a preposition of direction. In other words, we're, we're going toward God. We're, we're moving forward Him. I, we're, we're going toward Him. And that's what prayer's about. Now, people call this the Lord's Prayer, but it's not really the Lord's Prayer. That's why I called it the Lord's Model Prayer a moment ago. I understand most of your Bibles will say the Lord's Prayer in front of this, and, and sometimes you know, someone will say, well, let's say the Lord's Prayer, and someone will start quoting it, and almost mindlessly, we just kind of go into it, and we quote it, uh, not even thinking about maybe what it really says. The, the true Lord's Prayer is found in John chapter 17. That's his high priestly prayer. That's where Jesus is praying himself to the Father, saying the time's drawing near, talking about the time of the cross. He's praying for his disciples, but he also prays for those who would believe. So that means Jesus prayed for us if you're a believer. That's a pretty awesome thing too, isn't it? So what we're looking at today is the model prayer. In other words, we're, we're going to be looking at, at how we ought to pray. And it's a pretty simple outline, but I think it's a really, really decent outline that the Lord gave me this week for us to look at. Simply, we're going to talk about, to begin with, how not to pray. How not to pray. He, he tells us, I'm going to read verse 5, and then we'll pull it apart, and three things there that you need to see. But when he tells us how not to pray, he said, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. So he's telling us in this verse how we should not pray. So I want you to notice three things. When you pray, do not wear a mask. That's what a hypocrite is. When you pray, do not wear a mask. The word in the Greek literally means that. It referred to, uh, uh, to, to Greek actors because in that day and time, there were very few actors and they'd put on a play and there might be maybe a handful of actors, five actors, but you might have had 50 people in the play and someone would run on stage, put a different mask on, come out and play a role. So they, they would change who they were based upon the mask that they would put on. And, and that's the image of a hypocrite. It's someone appearing to be something they're not. It's someone just playing a role. And, and as we pray to God, we need to be sure that we don't do that. We need to be sure that we're not putting a mask on and pretending to be something we're not as we come before God. Also, when we pray, you need to avoid wrong motives. Because Jesus said, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Now, the word love that he uses there is the brotherly love in, in the Greek the, that, that talks about, you know, they had this fond attachment to this. So they had a fond attachment. And the word in, which says pray in the synagogues, is a word in the Greek that I point out a whole lot because I think it changes uh, the stress of what's being said. And, and the little word in that we might read over and pop over and not think much about means in a permanent fixed position. 
So in other words, what these people like to do is in a permanent fixed, in a permanent fixed position, stand up in church and pray. It's kind of what Jesus is saying. He said, don't just do that. He's not saying it's wrong to pray in church or pray in public. But he's saying you don't need to have the mindset that that's just what you're about. In other words, if you're going to pray in public, you need to be praying in private too. You know, don't be wearing a mask. Going back to that hypocrite thing we said a moment ago. They love to pray up in the, to stand up in the public gatherings of worship and, and pray. Instead, they love to on the street, which means a wide open square, but on the corner. And, and I started thinking about that. And, and I thought, man, how conceited that is. It's not enough just to go out and pray on the street where people can see you, but you want to be seen by as many people as possible. So here's the deal with that. If you go stand on the corner, everybody down that street can see you, everyone down this side of the street can see you, and you're trying to get as much public exposure as you can. Jesus is saying that's not the way to pray. It's it's not for you to go out trying to get the attention of others, to, to, to earn the credit of others. It's not about trying to be seen by others. He said they, they like to stand up at church and pray. They like to stand on the street corner and pray that they might be seen of others. That's the motive. And the word for be seen by others means to lighten or shine or show or to appear or to seem. So they were wanting to appear as religious as they could to other people as they're standing in public praying or on the street corner praying. So our motive is this in prayer. Our motive is to connect with God. Our motive is not to be seen by other people. That, that's the deal. Nothing wrong praying in public unless you stand up and pray at church just so people think, wow, what a great prayer. If you pray in a way that makes them think, well, what a great Savior, that's one thing. But we don't need people to be impressed with us. Also, when you pray, don't miss out. Because Jesus said, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And it's like Jesus is saying, you know, you've heard people talk about the word truly or verily before. He's saying this is a trustworthy thing I'm saying. This is a sure thing. It's the same thing as saying amen. Jesus is saying they have received. And when you look at that in the Greek, the tense of it means they have received in full their reward. In other words, these people, that the only thing they like to do is stand in public in church to pray so other people will see them and think how great they are. Or the people that go out on the street corners to stand and pray in public so other people will see them so they'll think how great they are. Jesus is saying this, they have got the full reward. In other words, the only reward they will ever, ever get out of it is that they may be impressed a few people. Guys, I'm sorry. I... I love you guys, but I want more reward in heaven than thinking I've impressed you in some way. Because that's over and done with here. You understand? That's not a lasting reward that would be in heaven. And that's why Jesus is, is warning people about how not to pray. But he also goes on, he tells us how to pray. Once again, it's his model prayer that he's given us here. So as we continue reading in verse 6 through 15 we're going to get a good pattern that Jesus gives us for how we ought to pray. And the first thing that he says kind of guards against what he just said don't do. Because he tells us when we pray, we need to let the method of our prayer, we need to let our method guard our motives. Look what Jesus said in verse 6. But when you pray, in other words, instead of just standing up at church or on the street corner so people think good of you, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So see, if, if the, the pattern or the method of your prayer 
is to pull aside in private like that and no one's there except you and God. That guards your motive. That that guards against you just praying so other people think good of you. That guards against you just wanting to say, well, yeah, I'll pray if they call me pray at church. I want people to think how good I am and how great I can pray. That will guard against you just going on the street corner to pray in public. If your method is to pull aside alone in your closet between you and God, that method protects the motive to where You're not trying to get other people's attention because you're praying to God who is in secret, who, by the way, you're praying in secret to the one that you can't see, but he can see you and he hears all of it. Amen? The point is having an audience with God, not others. Even if you're praying in public, you're you're not to be thinking, I've got an audience of people listening to me. Your audience is God. You're seeking an audience of one, God. Also, when you pray, you need to be real. Because he goes on in verse 7 and 8. It says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, that phrase, heap up empty phrases, mean don't just be in words tediously. Don't just be stuttering a bunch of words. Don't have vain repetitions. That's why I said that about the Lord's Prayer a moment ago that we need to guard against. You need to recognize we need to guard against even saying the Lord's Prayer. There's nothing wrong with saying the Lord's Prayer in, in, publicly, you know, all together. But if someone says, let's say the Lord's Prayer together, and all it is is a vain repetition, and you're not even thinking about what it means and what it says, you're wasting your time. See, he said, like the Gentiles or the heathen do. And what they would do, there's evidences of it in Scripture, the story about uh, uh, Elijah up on top of Mount Carmel. You know, all those heathen prophets are up there screaming, 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 screaming over and over and over again. God set this wood on fire, and it wasn't happening. They were cutting themselves, screaming out loud, kept praying, 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 praying. Nothing happened. Elijah prayed one time, fire fell from heaven. A lot of the heathen uh, in, in the world, you know, in, in some cultures, they, their prayer is just a bunch of chants. And, and he's saying, don't, don't do that. Don't pray like that. Don't think you're going to be heard because of being chatty, because of all your many words. He said, don't be like them. Don't assimilate their actions. Don't become like them. And here's why. He says, your father knows. God the Father sees and he knows is what the word means. Even before you ask him, he knows what you need. Now, now here's the thing I don't want you to miss. He said, your father knows what you need. In other words, you don't have to come with a lot of fancy words. He's your father. He already knows what you need, but he loves you and he wants what's best for you. And you can come and talk to him. Like I said earlier, don't be worried about all the fancy words and everything like that. Talk to him clearly. Talk to him in an intimate way, just like you would your own parent. Come before him and just tell him in plain words what you're feeling, what's going on in your life, what's going on in your heart. Just talk to him. Be real with it when when you pray. Don't think you have to be false about it. Just talk to him like he's your father. You have direct access. You see, here's the deal with that. If you're a Christian... You have direct access to the holy God of all the universe for this reason and this reason alone, the blood of Jesus Christ. 
So you have access into the holy throne of God because of the blood of Jesus being applied to your life. So be real. Just talk to him. Also, when you pray, you need to do this. And this is where we're going to break down the model that Jesus gives us to pray. When you pray, you need to follow the model of Jesus. That's why he gives us to his disciples. There's a model that he gives. By the way, I, I, I got ahead of myself right there. Let me back up just a minute, guys, because uh, I, I, I recognize that. There's a quote that I found this week that said this uh, by Robert A. Cook. It says, all of us have one routine prayer in our system. It said, once we get rid of it, we can really start to pray. In other words, we don't need just to have empty phrases that, that we're praying. And I'm guilty of that a lot of times, and I'm sure you're guilty of that a lot of times. If we're not careful, it's like we... Uh, in our prayer, and it's like we put in a CD or MP3 player, and we hit repeat mode. And that's all we ever do. When we need to talk simply and direct to our Father. But when we pray, we need to follow the model of Jesus. He, Jesus said in the first part of verse 9, pray then like this. He said, don't pray a lot of ways, but he says then pray, pray then like this. Same word for prayer we saw earlier. Pray to God, supplicate, worship. We're going toward God in the direction of God in in our prayers. Jesus says when we pray, we need to follow this model. Here's the first step in the way we ought to pray. Now, once again, this isn't an equation. This is a guide. But it's things that would be really good for us to include in our prayer life whenever we pray. We need to pray with an awareness of God's holiness. You and I need to pray with an awareness of God's holiness. If we don't do that, we will be awful tempted to get lax in our prayers and come before God, forgetting that he's holy and, and maybe take him for less than he is. He, he's your father, as I said a moment ago. Talk to him directly like your father. At the same time, we've got to remember he's holy. Jesus said, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that's what that word hallowed means. It means holy. We, we need to come before God understanding he is holy, understanding he's in heaven. He's up above all the mess that we're facing. Our Father who's up in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. And the word name literally means his authority or his character. So we need to recognize as we come before God in prayer his holiness to begin with. So we continue to follow this model that Jesus gives. Not only do we need to pray with awareness of God's holiness, we need to pray with a desire for God's will and God's purposes to be carried out. He, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we need to be praying about when we come before God. We're, we're asking for his kingdom, for his, for his rule, for his reign to be in this earth as it is in heaven. We're asking for his will. And that's an interesting phrase there, your will be done. It means God's active determination. So in fact, sometimes we think, well, yeah, God had a will and he communicated, but all that's in the past. No, it's not. (laughs) Whatever was God's will 10,000 years ago is still God's will today. It does not change because our culture changes. We, We need to pray about his active determination, his active choice, his active purpose, what God's desire is, what his decree, his inclination is. It's not our inclination. We need to be praying about his pleasure. The root word that comes from the Greek means to determine as an active option to cause to be with great latitude or emphasis, to generate or come into being. 
God's got things actively that he wants to see happen, that he wants to generate and come into being in our lives and in this world. And we need to recognize that as we pray. And we need to be praying for his will to be done in this world. On earth. And that doesn't mean just this globe. The word that's used there includes all the occupants of it. We're praying for his will, his purposes to be done on earth, in our lives, in other words, as it is in heaven, in the same manner of that it is in heaven. Can I ask you a question? Can you think of any time that God's will is not being done in heaven? I think the answer to that one is no. We need to be praying for God's will to be done here on the earth. Robert Law said this. He said, prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on the earth. Man, that's an important quote. I I love what that says because I am really afraid that all too often we approach our prayer life as though we're trying to get God to do our will and what we needed to be doing is praying for God's will to be done in our lives. For God's will to be done in this world. Because there's not any time that his will is not being done in heaven. If we're praying for God's will to be done in the earth in the same way, here's where it begins. It begins in my life. It begins in your life. Saying, God, bring your reign, bring your kingdom into this world. That happens through us as believers, as individuals, and then through us going out to a world around us. We need to pray for his will to be done in our lives. We think about this model prayer that Jesus gives us. We need to pray with an awareness of the holiness of God. We need to pray with a desire for God's will and purposes. But we need to pray from a perspective of God's provision. Because Jesus goes on and he says this, Give us this day our daily bread. The word that he uses for give in the Greek means a really large application. In other words, as big as, as you can think God can give. That's what you're asking. But, it's, but he says, give us this day our, our, our daily and the word literally means tomorrow's substance, tomorrow's need. It, it, it means tomorrow's distribution. And an interesting thing is when you study that word out that Jesus used in, in, in the original Greek, when you study that word out, it comes from a root word that means I exist emphatically. And when you think about that and you study that word out, that gives me the sense of as we're praying for God to make our daily provision for us, give us this day our daily bread. And when you understand that word daily, when you follow it all the way out, studying what the word means, it means I exist in an emphatic form. This may be Jesus is telling us this. What we're praying about daily, what we really need more than anything else is God himself not something to eat it's not something where it's God himself that's what we need more than anything else is God himself same word when he said I am that I am when Jesus was said I am the living water I am the bread of life see that that's who we need it's it's the great I am that we need we we need him more than anything else we're asking for our daily bread. Bread is raised, like you're, you're raising a, a, a loaf of bread, or you're lifting it up to partake of it or carry it 
uh, on. It, it, it can mean literal bread. It can mean spiritual bread or provision in our lives. The point you need to get is this. Jesus making this part of our prayer life. The point is we need to depend upon God and his provision in our lives instead of our own ability. We need to be trusting in his provision in, in, in our life. That doesn't mean we don't have an obligation to work. That doesn't mean we can resign ourselves and not work and try and earn an income or anything else and say, God, take care of me. That's not what it means. We're we're told in the Bible that we ought to work, but it means no matter what we're doing and how much we think we can do, our true dependence is on him, not not ourselves. Let me illustrate that. Remember when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness wanderings and they started crying out for food and, and God gave them manna from heaven? He gave it to them on a what basis? Daily basis. He gave them a double portion where they didn't have to collect it on the Sabbath, but he gave it to them on a daily basis. Here's the deal with that. That kept them daily looking toward the heavens. That kept them daily looking toward God. And when Jesus tells us we need to ask him, pray daily to him, pray and ask him for our daily provision, our daily food, that means this, that keeps us focused on him, not the junk, not the stuff, not the bread, not the provision itself. But if we're asking daily, that keeps our attention focused on him. And that's where our attention needs to be in, in our prayer life, in a relationship with him. So we follow this pattern of prayer that Jesus gives us. We also need to pray with a desire for forgiveness, having a clean conscience toward God and others. Because in verse 12, Jesus said this, And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. It's literally playing God send forth our sins. Take our sins away from us. Remove those sins from us. Remove the debts that we have. And here the word debts literally is referring to, to sin. That's the way Jesus is is using it. And it's the idea of accruing. In other words, we're accruing sin. All of us, we've got junk in our lives. And we need to come before him. We need to ask him to forgive us as we also, in other words, in the same manner that we're willing to forgive other people that sin against us. So I want you to notice two things, I think, that Jesus is saying there. One, if we're going to pray very effectively before God, We'll not do so with a guilty conscience. That's why when you approach God in prayer, I guarantee you, if you're like me, you've got junk that happened since the last time you prayed that you need to say, God, forgive me for that. And you need to get that out pretty quick in your prayer life to where you've got dealt with and you've brought before him clearly. He already knows anyway, by the way. You understand that? He knows. But he wants you to bring it to him because that clears your conscience. To where you could pray a more effective prayer. See, we need to remember we're sinners and he's holy. Hallowed be thy name. Remember that part of it a moment ago? So we need to remember we're sinners and he's holy. So we need to approach God in prayer asking for forgiveness. We need to be in right fellowship with God. But we also need to be in right fellowship with others. That's why he tells us we need to say forgive us our debts as we as in the same manner of as we forgive those who have sinned against us, those who had debts that they owe us because of the way they've treated us, because of the way they've sinned against us. If I want to have an effective prayer life, I need to be forgiven other people also. Because if I come before God harboring something in my heart, 
against somebody else for the way they've treated me, I'm not going to have a clear conscience either as I pray before God. Now, I want to point out something because some people get messed up on this. Jesus is not talking about forgiveness of your sins. You understand that? He's talking about your prayers. We are not forgiven on the basis of how we treat others. That's a work. We're forgiven on the basis of the finished work of Jesus. However, our prayers can be affected, and we'll come back to this right near the end. Our prayers can be affected by the way we treat others. You understand that? We also need to pray for God's guidance and protection as we try and follow this model that Jesus gives us. He said, and lead us not into temptation. You need to understand up front, God doesn't tempt us. I mean, we're literally told in the Bible that God doesn't tempt us. See, the word to start with doesn't really mean temptation. It means the, the type of temptation that's a test in God putting us to the test, God, God proving us. It's not like he's tempting us to sin. He, he's testing us to see what our metal is, more or less, what our maturity is, if we'll make his choice instead of our own choice. It is kind of what the, the word means there is. It says, lead us not into temptation, because he doesn't tempt anyone. James chapter 1, verse 13 says, let no one say, when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So it, the deal is, he's not really tempting us to sin. He, he's testing us. It's the thought that Jesus has given us here. And we need to be praying, asking God to deliver us. And that's an interesting word because it has the idea of a current, like a rushing mighty river or a stream. But if we're asking him for deliver us, it's like we're saying, God, I, I want you to rush into my life like a Russian river, and I want you to, to deliver me from the testing of life, from the trial of life, from, from those difficulties in life. God, rush in like a river and deliver me from, from those things. He said, deliver me from evil. Anything that's hurtful, anything that's harmful in our lives, Calamity, disease, being guilty of our own sinfulness, malice. But the same word talked about the devil, the evil one. The same word is, is used in the Bible in reference to Satan. We need to be praying that God will intervene in our lives like a mighty river delivering us from evil and from the evil one. That God's Spirit will flood our lives and make us aware of the tricks of the evil one. We're asking God to guide us and protect us is the thought that Jesus has given us. Also, when we pray, we need to do this, following this model prayer of Jesus. When we pray, we need to pray with a realization of God's kingdom, power, and glory. Think about that as you're praying to God. God's kingdom, Jesus said this, for yours, talking to the Father, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The word kingdom is talking about his authority, his rule, his, his, his realm. His is the kingdom. His is the power. In the Greek word there is the Greek word dunamis, that so we get our, our word dynamite or dynamo from. We're praying to God, recognizing his kingdom is in charge, that he is all-powerful. 
We're praying to God about his glory. The word is doxa. It means very apparent. God has a very apparent glory. In other words, I think Jesus is encouraging us to do this. As we pray, as we come before God, we do so with the awareness of his kingdom, his power, and his glory. In other words, we're praying the one to the one that can do something about the stuff that you're praying about. Amen? You can call your congressman all you want to. They can't fix it. You can call your best friend and pull your heart out. That's fine to do that sometimes, but I'm telling you something. They can't fix it. You can call the President of the United States, any ruler you want to on this planet, and they can't fix it. Because none of them are all powerful. But when you and I bow our hearts in our head before Almighty God, the King of all the universe. We're praying to the one that can make a difference. We're praying to the one that can change whatever it is that we're praying to him about. That's why we need to approach him. Pray to him with a realization of his kingdom, power, and glory. One last thing, and I told you we kind of come back to this right near the end. We need to pray with this understanding. We need to pray with this understanding that the way we treat others in the acceptance of our prayers are connected together. Because Jesus says this in verse 14 and 15, after he gives the model prayer, Jesus said, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now I want to remind you something. I said it earlier when we were kind of rubbing shoulders with this earlier in the message. The context of what Jesus is talking about here is not salvation. The context is your prayer life. He's not talking about you being forgiven of your sin to where you can go to heaven. That happens forever once you trust Christ as your Savior. Amen? He's talking about our prayer life. That's the context of it. So in other words, if we approach God in prayer while we've got bitterness and unforgiving attitudes toward others in our hearts, our prayers are going to be hindered by our own unforgiveness. Our prayers will be hindered by the bitterness that we have in our heart, by the attitudes that we have in our heart. On the other hand, if we approach God in prayer as already being Christians, we already know him as our Savior, and we're asking God to forgive us for our current failures... Not in order to maintain our salvation, but just asking him to help us maintain our fellowship with him. Not your relationship. Your relationship happened at the cross. That never changes, but your fellowship can change day in and day out. How close you feel to him based on on your sin in your life. When we come to him asking him for forgiveness, asking him to keep us in fellowship with him, we need to remember we better be in fellowship with other people if we want him to answer our prayers. Now, that might bring something that might be a sore spot for some of you because if some of you are walking around with hurt feelings because of the way some other believer treated you or something like that, and you've been walking around with it for years and you won't turn loose of it, I'll tell you, folks, I've got got a real concern about this. Someone that will carry bitterness in their heart for years, 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 I don't think they've ever fully understood what God has done for them and forgiven them. Now, that might hurt, but I'm telling you, if, you, if you've carried around junk all your life and you can't lay it down, you might need to reflect and ask yourself if you really know Christ yourself. Because 
If he's forgiven us, we ought to be willing to forgive others. Amen. And if we don't, I think Jesus is just telling us here in the context of our prayer life that it will affect our prayers. It will hinder our prayers if we don't forgive others. I want to close out by reading everything that we just looked at in a paraphrased version of the Bible that's called the message. See, Jesus commands us to pray. He, he commands us to come before him in prayer. That's the command we're looking at today. But I think sometimes it helps to read it in other translations. I, I love the way this puts it. <laughs> and when you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production. That's what some people do. They want other people to hear them. Think how great they are. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. And then it says, like they think, do you think God sits in a box seat? In other words, is God paying in the theater seat so he can watch you? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play or be that hypocrite before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense God's grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are really prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Man, there is a ton of people that need to read that. They're selling it on television week in and week out. Send us money and we'll tell you how to pray. We'll give you this prayer cloth. We'll give you this, this book. Hey, if you know Christ and he's your father, talk to him. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiven others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. That's the thing we need to figure out. He's in charge. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blazing beauty. Yes, yes, yes. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Now, that translation might be so clear, you might be thinking to yourself, Preacher, why didn't you just read that to start with and we'd have gone home? And still taking all the time to preach the message. Because God called me to preach. So where are you in this thing called prayer? Leonard Ravenhill, and I'm dating myself. Some of you older ones in here probably read some Leonard Ravenhill stuff. But he said this. He said, the self-sufficient will not pray. They don't think they need to. They can take care of it. The self-righteous or or the self-satisfied will not pray. They don't think they need to. They think they've got all they need. Think they've arrived. 
The self-righteous cannot pray because they've never bowed their heart before God to start with. They don't have the blood ground you and I have to stand on to pray. No man is greater than his prayer life. That might hurt a little bit. Because it probably means all of us can be greater Christians than we are. If we spend more time in prayer. Spend more time before Him. So my question is simply this. Will you pray? Will you start being more consistent in your prayer life? I I pointed out in the bulletin earlier that Bill and Crystal Compton have agreed to kind of help oversee a prayer ministry for us. We've got that thing called Day 3 Share that you can send emails into with prayer requests. They're going to start trying to monitor those and send us success reports also. We've got this set back here that we set up a few weeks ago, a few months ago, probably now. I don't think they'll allude to it enough. But there's a table set up here, and there's a couple of framed-in areas back there. And you can go right down prayer request, stick it up, and we ask people to go by and take them down pray for you. And we're going to try and put up successful reports of prayers back there. But will, will you, will you say today that you're willing to be more consistent in your prayer life? On the back of the orange card today, the connection card, there's some questions I'd like for you to consider. A lot of those deal with your prayer life. Some of them might think, well, if God knows what I need already, like you said earlier in the message, why bother praying? Here's why. Because prayer is not like sending up an order form to a supplier. God's not like, prayer to God is not like ordering something on eBay. Prayer is you having a face-to-face encounter with God and getting to know Him better. Turning God to prayer helps us rise above the trials and tragedies of life because God's in heaven and God's holy that we talked about early. He transcends everything on earth. God's not affected by the junk that's affected us. He's the one that can make a difference. He, we need to look above the circumstances of this world and look to God. There's a devotional that I've been reading entitled Jesus Calling. And I was reading it one, uh, one morning at breakfast. And, the, and really, it's a whole page that you read. But that particular morning started out with one sentence at the first of my devotional that morning as I read it. And it was all I needed to read. I read the rest of it, but all I needed to read was this. And it's written from the standpoint that Jesus is talking to you personally as though God sent you a letter, as Jesus sent you a letter. And the paragraph started out like this. Gaze at me, glance at problems. Gaze at me, glance at problems. You know what we tend to do? We glance at God and we gaze at the problems. And what we need to do is gaze at God and keep our attention on Him, and then we just glance at the problems. And then we pray to the one that can make a difference. Amen? So will you decide this morning? Maybe you need to seal it during this invitation and come up and kneel and pray. Say, God, help me to pray more. Help me to be more consistent in my prayer life. Help me to follow the model that Jesus gave. Help me to avoid praying ways I shouldn't pray. Father, Guide us this morning to make commitments to you. Help us to be a more prayerful people at Day 3 Church. Lord, if there's someone here that does not know Christ as Savior, I pray you help them begin that relationship today by first of all admitting they're a sinner and understanding and believing that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and giving them the faith they need to say yes to Jesus. Lord, help us, the rest of us that already know you, to be honest and confess to you if we've not been as prayerful as we should be.
And Father, help us to come before you today with our hearts and say, God, help us to be more consistent, to spend more time with you, to grow in our relationship with you, to grow in our fellowship with you through our prayer life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.